As we explained in the previous Mishnah, if somebody buys produce from a poor person, and he knows that this produce was what the poor person received as one of the matnosaniyim, one of the gifts for the poor, then just like all matnosaniyim, it is exempt from the tithes from the Trumas and Miserus, which means that even if the poor person is an Amhaaretz, which means he's unlearned and he is not trusted about separating the tithes, in this case, the buyer does not need to worry about that if he knows that the produce is not even obligated in the tithes. So the previous Mishnah went through lots of different species and whether we believe the poor person if he claims that it was one of the Matnus and the M. And now we're going to discuss vegetables. Now most vegetables and greens are exempt from Leket Shikran Peyar, the reason being that they do not last in storage. And we learned at the beginning of the Masechta that one of the conditions for something to be obligated in Peyar, as well as Leket and Shikra, is that it has to last. However, Midrabonon, vegetables and greens are still obligated in Masr Oni, which is the tenth of the farmer's produce which needs to go to the poor people. Now, because vegetables don't last for a long time in storage, the farmer would usually cook them straight away after gathering them in from the field. And in this way, they differ from other produce. When it comes to other produce, of course, the farmer would usually give the Matnusaniyim as soon as the harvest is completed. But if he forgets to, then he'll just go to where the produce is stored and give the poor people that produce. But when it comes to vegetables, if the farmer forgets to give the raw vegetables to the poor people right after the harvest, then he usually won't have other raw vegetables which are being stored to give the poor person. So instead, he'll have to give him the cooked vegetables. Which means that whereas normally we assume that the farmer never gives cooked, processed produce to the poor people, when it comes to vegetables, there were occasions where the farmer would give him cooked vegetables. So the mission tells us, Firstly, we certainly believe the poor person about a raw vegetable if he claims that it came from Master Oni, because that's the form that the vegetables were usually given to him. But we do not believe him if they were cooked. Unless there were just a few cooked vegetables, because in that case you would believe him. Because it was the normal way for the owner to take some cooked vegetables out of his pot and give it to the poor people, but that would only be if there's just a few vegetables. But if there are lots of them, then even with regards to vegetables, it would be uncommon to receive lots of cooked vegetables, so we only believe them if there are a few. But when it comes to all other produce, if the produce was being cooked, then we do not believe the poor person, because it would be very rare for the farmer to give processed or cooked other produce to the poor people. Mishnah hey, the next two Mishnahs will discuss a particular gift for the poor, namely Master Oni. Master Oni needs to be given in the third and the sixth year of the seven-year Shemitah cycle, and it is a tenth of one's produce. Now, when it comes to all of the other gifts for the poor, such as Leket, Shikran, Peyar, it's the responsibility of the poor people to come into the field and to collect those things for themselves. However, when it comes to Master Oni, that's not always the case. The Gemara notes that there's seemingly a contradiction in the Torah. In one place, it says, You should leave the Master Oni for the poor people, which implies that the poor people should come and take it for themselves, just like they do with Peyar and the other gifts. However, there's another passage which says, And you shall give it to them, which implies that it's up to the farmer to actively go and give it to them himself. And the Gemara answers that we're talking about two different situations. We're not going to go into the details, but in short, if the owner is giving out the Master Oni from his house, then it's up to him to give the payer. So to give the Master Oni, which means that he can decide who to give to, how much to give to each person. If he doesn't want to give to his particular Oni, then he doesn't have to. He has the right to choose how he distributes the tenth of his produce as Master Oni. However, if he gives the Master Oni in his field, or to be more precise, in his threshing floor, then he can't decide how much to give to each person. 
Rather, he's got to leave it, and it's up to the poor people to come and take it themselves. Now, Majabonon, if he gives it out on the threshing floor, even then we say it's his responsibility to give it out. However, in this scenario, he does not have the right to choose how much to give and who to give to. Rather, any poor person who comes by, he must give them enough to support them for one day which is two meals worth. And the focus of our Mishnah is to tell us what is considered two meals worth. In Purchas and Lani and Bagoyren, the farmer cannot give less to the poor people in the threshing floor, than half a kav of wheat to the kav se'irim, or a kav of barley. So if he chooses to give wheat, then he needs to give half a kav of wheat. If he chooses to give barley, then he needs to give an entire kav of wheat. The reason being that there's much more on each kernel of barley which cannot be eaten. So you need to give him more than you would have given him for wheat, so that he has enough for two meals. Now Rabbi Meir, Omer Rabbi Meir says, Chatzikav, you only need to give him half a kav even of barley. And the Mephoshim explained that there's no argument going on here. Rather, Meir is referring to high quality barley, which has enough on it to be eaten, that half a kav is enough for two meals. So Rabbi Meir is talking about a different situation to the Tanakama, and therefore they are not arguing about this point. Now what happens if the farmer doesn't give wheat or barley, but rather he gives spelt? So spelt is even worse quality, and therefore kav kusmen, you would need to give a whole kav and a half of spelt, if that's what you are giving the poor person, because that is what is necessary for two meals. If somebody is giving dried figs, then the kav grace he has to give a kav of grace of dried figs. And if he's giving pressed figs, then a mona de vela, he would need to give a mona, which is a weight of pressed figs. So a kav is a measurement of volume, whereas a mona is a measurement of weight. And the Mishnah uses whichever one was more commonly used for measuring that produce. However, when it comes to pressed figs, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva says pros. It's half a mona of pressed figs. And that's enough. And we're going to see that Rabbi Akiva is going to argue on the next two cases as well. According to the Tanakama, if you give wine, you have to give half a loig. A loig is a measurement used for liquids. Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva says you only need to give a quarter of a loig. Reviet Shemen, according to the Tanakama, if you give oil, you need to give a quarter of a loig. But Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva says you only need to give an eighth. And the reason for these arguments is because the Tanakama looks at a normal meal. If a person was going to eat a normal meal and he had what to eat, then how much would he eat? Whereas Rabbi Akiva looks at how much he would manage with for two meals. Not how much he would eat if he had a choice, but how much he would manage to, as a poor person, if he's struggling to get food, he would manage with an eighth of, uh, of a leg of oil, for example. So that's why Rabbi Akiva says a lower amount than the Tanakama. Now when it comes to wine, wine was sometimes eaten as a meal in its own right, without anything else. If it was uncooked wine, the poor person could manage with that for a meal, or for two meals. However, when it comes to oil, he wouldn't have oil by itself. Rather, he would put oil onto bread. The mission is talking about how much oil one would have to give the poor person who would have that oil with bread. You don't have to supply him with the bread, only with the oil which he would have with the bread during that meal. But the oil itself is not two meals worth. And ends off the Mishnah, And when it comes to all other fruit, all other produce, Abishol said the amount is enough that the poor person would be able to sell it and buy with the money he gets from that two meals worth and that's really the rule for all produce that you need to give the poor person enough to be able to support himself for the day which is two meals worth. Mishnavov, we explained earlier that the Torah uses two different words to describe how the farmer should distribute the Maestra Ani. One was that he should leave it for the poor people to take themselves, and the other was that he should give it out to them, implying that he has the choice of how to give it out. And we explained that he's got a choice if he's giving it to the poor people while he's in his house, but if he's giving it to them in the field or in the threshing floor, then he has to give an equal amount to everybody. 
However, even in that case, he does have the right to reserve some of the Maeser Oni for particular poor people, for example, his relatives. If he has poor relatives, he has the right to retain part of the Maeser Oni, not all of it, but part of it for his poor relatives. So firstly, before we even get onto that, the Mishnah tells us, Midozoi, this measurement which we've described in the last Mishnah about how much one needs to give to the poor people at the threshing floor, Amura is said and applies to Bakanim, it applies to a Kohen who is a farmer, Uvalavim, or to a Levi who is a farmer, Uvayisraelim, and to a Yisrael who is a farmer. Even Kanim and Levim, who themselves are supported by the various gifts, the Trimus and the Maisras, even they need to give a tenth of their produce for Maser Ani, and they would need to give two meals worth to each poor person, as we described in the previous Mishnah. There are other ways to learn this part of the Mishnah, we've picked one. Now says the Mishnah, Hoyomatzil. What happens if the farmer wanted to save part of the Maser Ani to give to particular poor people? So he doesn't have the right to decide how much to give to every poor person, but he can reserve some for his relatives. Now how much? So the Mishnah says, he can take half of it and reserve that for his relatives. And then he's got to give the other half to the, all the poor people. And again, he would give two meals worth to each poor person who comes. And he's even allowed to do this if it will mean that the poor people, the other poor people won't be able to get two meals worth. So Mishnah says, If the half which he is now giving out to the poor people who come who aren't his relatives, if that is only a very small amount, and there's not enough to give each poor person two meals worth, so he can't directly give a poor person less than two meals worth. Because the halacha is, he has to give two meals worth to every Oni who comes. So what should he do? He should put that half of Master Oni in front of them, and they'll split it between themselves equally, and each one will receive less than two meals worth. But that's okay because he's not doing that directly, and in that way he is allowed to reserve part of the Maser Oni for his relatives. Mission Zion, other than the Matnes Haniyim, which a farmer needs to give from his produce, every single Jew has an obligation of tzedakah, to give charity to the poor. And this Mishnah is really the source, or one of the main sources, for the tzedakah obligations which are incumbent upon every Jew or at least every community, as we will see in the Mishnah. Now, if a poor person is passing through a particular town, then the people of that town have the responsibility to make sure he's provided for, and again, he requires two meals per day. Now, we already went through the list a couple of Mishnahs ago of what is considered two meals worth. However, that was in raw produce, if you give the poor person wheat kernels, for example. Now Mishnah is going to tell us what is two meals worth in terms of bread. Because a poor person passing through one city, one shouldn't give him just kernels of wheat. He should actually give him bread. So how much bread is considered enough for two meals? Says the Mishnah, The people in charge of the tzedakah distribution of that city cannot give less to a poor person who is passing through their town from one place to another than a loaf which costs a pundion when you can buy four sa'ar with a seller. If the market price is set such that you'll be able to buy four sa'ar, sa'ar is a measurement of volume, a seller is a coin, and this comes out as a loaf of bread which contains a quarter of a cup of flour. How do we get that? So here comes some maths. One sa'ar contains six kav, which means that four sa'ar contains 24 kav. So the market price discussed in the Mishnah is where one seller can buy 24 kav. Now, one seller is 48 pundion, or pundionois to be precise. So that means that 48 pundion will buy 24 kav, which means that one pundion will buy half a kav. Now, that's half a kav of raw wheat, but the cost of bread is double as much as the cost of the wheat within the bread. Because of all the work which went into processing the wheat into bread, the price is doubled. So if one pundion can buy half a kav of raw wheat, then one pundion can buy a quarter of a kav of bread. 
because the bread is double as expensive, so you can only buy half the amount. So again, the Mishnah said, you've got to give him a loaf of bread which costs a pundiyain when full sa'ah costs a seller. And that comes out to be a quarter of a cove of a loaf of bread. Continues the Mishnah, Lon. If the poor person was staying overnight in that town, then no no panasas lina. The townspeople are obligated to give him provisions for the sleeping. He needs to be provided with a place to sleep, a bed, blankets. Furthermore, Shavas, if the poor person decides to stay in that town for Shabbos, on Shabbos is an obligation to eat three meals, and therefore no Nomazon Shalos Udais, they have to provide him with food for three meals. We see so clearly from this Mishnah that Tzedakah is not just a nice thing to do. Tzedakah is an obligation. If a poor person needs something, and you're able to help him, you're obligated to do so. Alright, now during the period of the Mishnah, most communities had two... Tzedakah sort of organizations, Tzedakah fans, and these were called the Kupa and the Tamukhi. The Kupa literally means a basket. It was called that because all the households in the town were obligated to give a fixed amount each week to that Tzedakah fund, and they would put the money into a basket. And the main purpose of the Kupa was to provide for the poor people of that town, of that community. And each Erev Shabbos, each Friday, the poor people would receive provisions for an entire week. The Tamukhi, which literally means a plate, the main purpose of the Tamukhi was for poor people who didn't live as part of that community. And unlike the Kupa, it wasn't an obligation on every household to provide a fixed amount for the Tamukhi. Rather, somebody would go around town collecting money for the Tamukhi, and that money was distributed each day. And there was enough, it was distributed, each poor person who wasn't part of that community would receive enough money each day for the two meals which he needed that day. Now, how poor does somebody need to be in order to be entitled to take money from the Tamukhi or the Kupa? So the Mishnah tells us, Somebody who has enough food for two meals worth, he is not able to take food from the Tamukhi, from the money which is gathered for the Tamukhi, because the Tamukhi is given out daily for those who need food that day. And this person already has enough food for that day. And somebody who has enough food for 14 meals, so he's got enough meals for the entire week. And this is including all three meals of Shabbos. And it is not including the meal on Motzei Shabbos, because he would have eaten enough for the third meal of Shabbos, but he will not need to eat on Motzei Shabbos. So he needs 14 meals in a week. If he already has that, then that person is not able to take any money or food from the Kupa, because the kupa is specifically for people who do not have enough to survive the next week. Now just by the way, the tamukhi was usually given out as food already. Because it was eaten on that day, the poor people just received the two meals as food, not just as money. Now ends off the mission of our kupa. When it comes to the weekly tzedakah fund, we mentioned that every household, every family, was obligated to pay a fixed amount each week. It would depend on their means, how much they could afford, they would have to give the same amount each week. And in fact, if they didn't give that, then the gaboy tzedakah, the people working for the tzedakah fund, could take their belongings and keep something of theirs until they give the money which they need to give. And because of this, the money has to be collected with two people. If one person does it, then he might get a bit corrupt, especially when it comes to collecting other people's property. And the tzedakah needs to be distributed to the poor people by three people. This is similar to a based in. If a court judges a monetary case, there needs to be three judges as part of that court, as part of that based in. And over here, each poor person who receives the money needs to be researched as to how much money he really has, how many people in his family need tzedakah. So this is just like a normal monetary case, or very similar to a monetary case, and therefore just like a based in usually requires three judges to judge a monetary case. The Kupa requires three people to distribute the tzedakah to the poor people.